Thanks y'all for tuning in to Irrational Kindness Podcast. Y'all, if you want to stay up to date with all things going on in Irrational Kindness, go to irrationalkindness.com. Not to mention our podcast is on every single platform that podcasts are out there. So go ahead and subscribe, follow, like them. Go ahead and do it. Kevin, man, I got a question for you. Are you ready? Yes. All right. What is your biggest pet peeve? I can think of two. Okay. Okay. They're very aligned, maybe similar. One is getting ripped off by a New York hot dog vendor. That's very specific. <laughs> yes. Because they don't have prices there. So if you don't go and ask them ahead of time, you're just reeking with visitor. And so if you don't ask their prices ahead of time, every time you go, you get a different price. And it could be 50 cents, uh-huh. but it literally drives me crazy. It's like, why did I not ask them the price ahead of time? <laughs> get clarity on it because I don't want those guys to take advantage of it. Yeah. The second one is buying duplicate of things at my house. What you mean? Like we have this red pepper jelly mm-hmm. and then somebody will come home with like jalapeno pepper jelly. And I'm like, but we've had that red pepper jelly that's been in there for two years three. to three years. And somebody bought it thinking they were going to eat and they never did. That little thing, it's small thing. Now, I can go spend waste money all kinds of a million ways. But but that 50 cents hot dog and that red pepper jelly, it, it can just, it's like Gosh. fingernails on a chalkboard. That's real. Gosh. What about you? Since you did two, I'm going to do two. One is when people interrupt. And it's like- What would you say? If people- it's <laughs> Similar. Yeah. But it's like, if people interrupt either me, which that sounds kind of pretentious, or if they're interrupting somebody else, then part of me is like- what were they about to, like, they were going to say something. So I don't, it doesn't always irk me, but most time it's like, ooh. But then two is- I'm going to make note of that. I'm going to try not to do that so much. Thank you. No, and then the second one is probably if I go out to eat and like we both order something differently and different and their food is better than mine, it irks me. I'm like, I have buyer's regret (laughs) because I'm like, are you kidding me? They got the better food. And so I have to act like mine is better. But theirs is really better. The Do you whole tell time. them usually? Do you um, confront these things? This is how I sublim- I'll i subliminally say like, oh man, yours is good. Mine's good, but yours looks really good. Next time I'll probably get yours. That's me <laughs> telling you yours is better. Yours is better. And I'm, I am furious inside. Funny. Hey, let's, let's get, get it started. You're listening to Irrational Kindness. Hi, I'm Kevin. And I'm Princess. We work with hundreds of amazing team members at our three Chick-fil-A restaurants in Canton, Georgia. We lift up the celebrity in every human. Hey, that's you. We seek to understand over being understood and prioritize kindness toward yourself and others over over everything. everything. What's good, Kevin? What's happening, Princess? Gosh, I am so excited about being here today. I am too. You know why? Why? Because I'm here with Princess Moon. Gosh, How whatever. cool is that? It's pretty cool. But uh, even cooler, we get to interview Scott Sisson. Gosh, the legend. All right, Princess, my hero was Kevin Butler uh-huh. at University of Georgia. I would go to these games early when mm-hmm. he was kicking, and I would watch every move because I was a place kicker in high school. So gotcha. I would watch every move he made from on the sidelines to the way he interacted with his players after a kick, he'd go over and, you know, tell them all, thank you mm-hmm. after the way they block just a different look that I'd never seen before. Yeah. So I would emulate that. And then he would tie his, 
his cleats, he would tie the shoestring to the back of his heel, which was really cool, and I did that too. I don't know what it did for kicking, but uh, it did a lot for him, not so much for me. (laughs) But Scott Sisson, I saw him on the tennis court, and Mm -hmm. he, I had the same, studied exactly what he did in – he was after that, but I just always loved kickers and watched Scott kick his winning field goal against Virginia, winning the 1990 National Championship. So – just an incredible guy, but, mm-hmm. you know, a storied career going into the NFL, but really as a father, a dad, and a friend, I've got to see him up close for a long time, and I've learned a lot from him, cherish our friendship. We've gotten to play bluegrass. Here, the beautiful song, Check Your Gaze, yeah. is performed with uh, Scott on guitar and Neil, his dad, on the banjo, and so we have a lot of fun together playing our bluegrass, going to festivals, and being... uh being goofy together. So I look forward to sharing our interview with Scott Sisson. Hey, Scott Sisson, my friend, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Let me tell you guys, I've known Scott. How long have we known each other, Scott? Ah, goodness gracious. You know, the, 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 the first thing I can remember is going to a tennis practice in a new neighborhood that had to be what 2001. Yeah, it had to be. I think you were the captain of the team or something. Yes. And and you walked up to me after the drills and you you introduced yourself and you said, "Hey, you know, you're you're pretty good." And and I and I thought that was very amusing that you would say that at in the tennis world because <laughs> we were all just kind of learning as we went, having fun. But I thought in my head, I am anything, anything but good at this sport. Well, you may have not been great at tennis, but I already knew Scott Sisson because being a fan of place kickers, I followed Scott's career. And uh, knowing him from from being a Georgia Bulldog fan to watching him beat us up pretty good, steal some of the hedges at one of the uh, games, kicking at Georgia Tech, winning a national championship, and then going on uh, to fall in his career in the NFL where he was a place kicker for the Patriots and the Vikings and some other teams there. And uh, just what a career that he's had. So I want to start in how was it like in the NFL? You have some great memories, I'm sure, and some great challenges in the NFL. There are a lot of things that uh, when you when you are fortunate, I was fortunate not to be drafted. Um, it doesn't really matter how you get in, but once you get in, you really don't know what to expect because there's a whole twenty four seven world going on. All all we see is fans, the start of the game to the end of the game. But aside from that, it's it really is a it really is a lifestyle, and, and it really is um, high stakes, high dollar lifestyle where you miss a meeting and, and you're paying some major fine. One of the worst feelings that I ever felt was coming in and staying in a hotel. And I can't remember what the, uh, the context was. I think it was something like spring ball. The first time I went in and, you know, you're staying in a hotel and, and you typically you have a roommate, but there were other times maybe when I didn't have a roommate, you know, you're supposed to be at the facility. Um, by a certain time in the morning to have you like, this is your, your big shot with this team to your tryout. And it's an early tryout and they happen to put you up in a hotel a day and you're falling asleep and you realize, you know, um, 
I'm halfway across the country right now and I've got one alarm clock here. <laughs> and if the power goes out, I'm supposed to be up at 5.30 a.m. to be getting, you know. And from that moment on, it's really tough to sleep. I mean, I'm lying there all night thinking I'm dreaming I'm awake. That's like the, the, the big wake-up call when you get to a level like that, when you get into the NFL, because, you know, there are a lot of people knocking on the door to get into that industry. There's massive pressure, but there's some amazing things that happened to you too, like meeting Bon Jovi. Tell us about when you met Bon Jovi. How did that work? So I'm standing on the sideline and I had heard that he might be at practice that day. This is with the Patriots and, and it was back when Bill Parcells was the coach. And and I don't, I'm sure there's a lot of this going on, but, um, you know, they I hear through the grapevine that, um, that Bon Jovi might stop by practice because he and and Bill, Coach Parcells, are really close friends. And he does that from time to time. He just drops in. First of all, you hear that and you think, ah, yeah, maybe, maybe not. But then you see this guy and you hear stories from other people about how surprised they are often when they see a celebrity. And they're not quite as big screen in person. I mean, physically, maybe they're not as tall as you would have imagined because you're, you grew up watching them on the big screen. And uh, so that was definitely the case. John, I don't know how tall John is, but I'm used to hanging out at this point in camp with, I'm the smallest guy on the team, and he's not as tall as I am. So he comes out, and I remember he's, he's, I know, he's wearing jeans and his you know, T-shirt, his black leather jacket, and and uh, he's got uh, maybe a security guard or something, guy walking, big guy, looks like an NFL ball player. And he came out, and my, that was my first impression, was almost kind of looking over, like, where, where, oh, there he is. Like, he's right in front of me. But he just, you know, you meet somebody with that history and that celebrity, and you think, you know, big screen, and there's just a, just a normal person. And um, I think that we do that with celebrities. Uh, I heard somebody say that to me right after I got drafted. I was just hanging with some people at a function, and he said, well, you're just a normal guy. And I thought to myself, of course I am. <laughs> what, I don't even know what that means. You went from Georgia Tech, where you're the man, winning a national championship, kicking. You handled pressure, didn't you? Oh, it started at an early age, and I think, as I've, I've told you this before, but I had at least 14 game winners and probably more than that, that opportunities to, to kick game winners. And uh, I don't care how cool somebody looks. They're, they're always, they're, they're always nerves. You're, you're always, there's always that inner battle. Um, you know, you, you look at somebody like a Roger Federer who says with all that he's accomplished, he's today even that he still gets butterflies when he's warming up. You know, that's just a part of it. I, I don't think anybody's going to walk out there and, and not feel that. But um, it, it is all about confidence and, and confidence in that moment. What are you teaching the next generation about pressure and about how to approach the highs and lows of kicking? Well, I think you pointed out earlier that the, the joy is really in the journey. And, and generally, I try to determine what their goals are because not everybody wants to kick in the NFL. Not everybody that I work with wants to kick in college. 
Um, some of them just want to be able to kick extra points in high school or middle school or just get on the team. I've had some kids that say, look, I just want to get on the team. I just want to be good enough to get on the team and have the football experience in high school. That was mine. I just wanted to be on the team. You know, I think you've got to remember that it's it's not the end goal necessarily that we're focusing on all, all the time. I mean, for some, they come in and they say, look, this is what I want to do. I want to go right at the top. Those are the kids and the parents that are they're, they're going to put a lot more time. And then there are others that just say, look, I, I enjoy kicking. I, I genuinely enjoy it. And they're honest up front. They say, I don't know that I have the most talent, but I'm hoping that I get, I'm hoping by working with you at least one or two times that I can maybe get a foundation that I can work with so that I can enjoy it. I can enjoy the process. It doesn't mean I have to be the starter on the team, but I'd like to get on the team. And then I just want to enjoy being able to practice and be, being able to, to be good enough. What a great perspective. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're seeking here to gain these perspectives. And so I think it's a good start. You're just saying everything you do doesn't have to be an end goal, does mm -hmm. it? It's sometimes just saying, I'm going to enjoy the process versus figuring it all out down the road. You celebrate the, the small victories along the way. Uh, you, you, see kid, you see a kid's face light up. Like it's always interesting because I'll have back to back. Like when it gets really busy in the summer, I might I might be out there for six hours. And I'll have just kids coming in one after another, and I'll have a, a sixth grader come in who's never kicked before, and his face lights up the first kick that we're able to get that rotation and get that foot placement right, and the smile on his face when he turns around. Compared to a guy who was grumpy because he hit a 54-yarder an hour ago, you know, instead of a 56-yarder, and he's walking off like, oh, man, it just, it's, not, it's, not gonna, it's not good enough for me. It's not going to do it. It was just a terrible day. You know, so I think it's all about perspective and enjoying because if you're not enjoying what you're doing, you know, imagine if when you were starting your career, you said, oh, I have to, I have to be involved with chick-fil-a or this many chick-fil-a's or you know if you put that as your primary focus right out of the gate instead of i'm going to you know be a steward of the community and i'm going to enjoy working with people and, and being a servant leader and, and all of these things along the way i think make you successful that joy that you feel as you're as you're moving along versus saying like you know what this just isn't moving fast enough i'm not I'm not hitting my goals. We're not growing fast. I mean, whatever the uh, the benchmarks are for you that you set in, in, in your head. That's awesome. Because I love what you said about purpose. I often say, you know, what is purpose anyway? You know, we talk about doing things with purpose, but you've actually broke it down to, to, to the students you teach. Tell us about how you teach them what purpose means in kicking. It's changing the focus. You have to enjoy what you're doing. Unfortunately, I have seen some kids come through who, didn't seem to enjoy the fact that they were out there, you know, and I think that's any sport, any parent who's kind of, some of them are just trying it out. Some of them are, I think maybe showed a spark of got the parent excited and now we're, we're doing a lesson and the parent seems more engaged than the kid does that sort of thing. So really I'm trying to, in that case, I'm trying to turn the tables a little bit and trying to find the, 
the fun and the practice and just focusing on the little things, the little things that we can improve. You know, one of my favorite things to say is, look, if you don't have the leg to get the ball through the sticks from a certain range, then focus on the quality of the ball. Uh, you know, we're going to, even in a group setting, we're, for this kid who's maybe a little bit younger, maybe he's a little bit newer, he's, he's not quite as strong as some of the other ones, but he's having a great time. And the, the whole group understands that this kid is not going to kick the ball through from, let's say, 45 yards. So what we do is we change his goal right there in front of the group. The, the, his goal is no longer, is he going to put the ball over the crossbar from 45? But we're all, as a group, we're going to recognize him for the quality that, that he can bring at this time, right? Which is he may only be able to kick it 20 yards. But if he can kick it in a straight line and he can get that rotation that we're all focused on or, you know, whatever that criteria is, then he's really going to enjoy what he's doing, even though he's not making the kick like some of the other kids at that time. Well, how did that translate when you were kicking in the NFL? How did you know, okay, here's how I'm kicking with purpose? Yeah, I was 21 when I was drafted, and I, I think I was focusing on the wrong things when I first started. I, you know, I came back a few years later, and I, I kicked for the Vikings, and I, it was a much better experience for me. I got a little bit wrapped up in focusing on the natural criticism that comes when you're not perfect. And even if you are perfect, realize that when you're performing in a big stage like that, people are going to pick apart. <laughs> if you make every field goal, it's going to be, well, I don't understand why you wear your chin strap like that. You know, it's ridiculous, the amount of criticism. Absolutely. That, and, it, and it's really easy for a young person. It was really easy for me. And one of the big reasons that I came in and struggled right out of the gate was that I lost my focus and, and just enjoying the, the process and the journey and looking around and saying, hey, you know what? This is phenomenal that I'm here. Instead, I was more focused on, well, I wonder what those people are thinking over there, right? Like, I, I, I don't understand, you know, and, and, and really finishing every day, just kind of going down a deep, dark hole <laughs> of, mm -hmm. of just self-criticism. So how do you translate that when you're teaching the, the high school junior right now? To, again, focus on the journey, which with kicking, that really means breaking the, the process down into, into smaller components and, and really finding success in the smaller components versus the end result every single time. And that's, that's hard for kids to do. Uh, and I call it the kicker blues, and I joke about it. It's not really a joke, but... You know, for a lot of those kids, it's so easy for them to, you know, to, to just look at that, that ball, that last ball that you kicked and really just kind of almost put your entire self-worth in that moment on that one thing. And mm -hmm. so what we try to do is, is not, it is kind of change that end goal again, like we talked to earlier and really have, have those younger kids, especially focus on the little things, the little things that they can control. What's some examples that you steer them towards to find that success? So it's celebrating the little thing. This sounds crazy, but breaking down a kick, it's a little bit like a golf swing, but breaking down a kicking motion. There are a lot of uh, moving parts and most of those moving parts, most kickers, especially young ones, don't ever give, the, they don't ever give it the time of the day. Let's just start with something as simple as taking you see on TV, you see these kickers take three steps back, generally. 
It's not always three, but most of the time it's three and they take two steps over, right? And they do that for a reason we're not going to get into, but, but let's just break it down into challenging a kid to take those three steps back and get more consistent and where his heel is coming down, right? Um, that's something I'm pretty sure that is going to be easy for him, easier for him to accomplish than just coming out and, and kicking 40-yard field goals. But when he f- starts to focus on that, not only is it something that he can accomplish much easier and something he can almost take pride in, you see him, he starts to pay attention to these little details that are just one little part of the, the bigger process that is the, the entire kicking swing. Most natural kids that come in and, and they're maybe they're former soccer players and they've got a pretty good leg, but there's still a lot of holes in their game. But they do have a natural a natural swing um, right out of the gate. Those guys, the talented ones in some cases, some people might say, "Oh, he's just talented. He came out and he's just boy. He did. He's he's never been trained. He's self taught. He just came out and started kicking." Which you know, a lot of people. That's what I did. Um, but I think a lot of times when you come out that way, you overlook all of these little details that some of the people that aren't quite as talented when they come out, maybe they just don't have the experience. They haven't played soccer. They don't have that natural timing, whatever it may be. We're going to take them down a different path and, and, and really try to get them to focus. And they're going to generally, they're going to be more willing to focus on those things because we can break that swing down. We can break that whole process down and focus on those little things. And, and if you get them paying attention to the details, it's amazing. If you just start with the steps, uh, you see that that student really becomes a student of the game. And in some cases, if given enough time, will surpass that more talented person um, within, within a couple of years just because he's focusing on journey and not the end goal. He's really found joy in the details and celebrating the little successes along the way. How about that, Princess? Isn't Gosh, that great? That was such a good conversation with Scott. That yeah, he's so a great good. guy. I think when he was talking about enjoying the journey and almost that when you enjoy the journey, it takes the pressure off you feeling like, okay, I have to get there. I have to be there today or tomorrow, but really you can just enjoy the small victories. It totally changes your perspective and it, and it really allows you to, to enjoy this walk that you're on without feeling like, okay, I have to have everything figured out or everything worked out. That was really refreshing to me. You know. Yeah, if you can take a deep breath and figure out how to enjoy that step you're taking, mm-hmm. it makes the difference. Until next time, be irrational, courageous, and kind. We out. Gotta get in while you can. Gotta get out while you can. Gotta get in while you can. Gotta get out while you can. Play your cards right, middleman. Play your cards right, middleman. Play your cards right, man, and check your gauge. Check your gauge. Check your gauge. Check your gauge.